In this short series of podcasts, we're going to attempt a brief introduction to the life and doctrine and the impact of John Knox, Scotland's reformer. It will by no means be comprehensive, but if it whets your appetite and encourages you to explore the history of the period perhaps a little bit more, then it will have achieved its purpose. So John Knox, who was he and what did he believe? Book of the Month. Follow the link to buy your copy. During the months of July and August, we'll be looking at John Knox, Scotland's reformer. If you'd like to learn more about John Knox, and there is a lot to learn, there's plenty of resources online. And if you prefer books, a good starting point is an excellent little primer, John Knox, Fearless Faith, by Stephen Lawson. It's just 100 pages, and it's packed with fast-moving information about Knox, And there's a link to buy the book on www.semper-reformata.com throughout July and August. Just follow the link in the episode notes. The book costs just £5.49. A small part of that goes to support this podcast. The Book of the Month, John Knox, Fearless Faith, by Stephen Lawson. Knox was born near Haddington, a market town just south of Edinburgh in 1505. He studied at the University of St Andrews and upon graduating at a very young age was admitted into ministry, into holy orders. The date of his conversion to Christ is unknown, but we do know that it was as a result of reading or listening to a sermon on John 17, for on his deathbed Knox asked that John 17 be read, and he called it the passage where I first cast my anchor. Well, because a parish could not be found for him, Knox acted as a notary public, witnessing deeds and transactions on behalf of the Roman Catholic Church. The Church owned a considerable amount of land and property in Scotland at that time. And Knox also acted as a private tutor for a couple of wealthy families. John Knox had met George Wishart, the Scottish Protestant pioneer, and had become not only one of his disciples, but a personal attendant, travelling around with Wishart and learning from him. And under Wishart's teaching, Knox soon developed a dislike of Roman Catholicism and of the Catholic clergy. That distaste could only grow. When Wishart was arrested and condemned to death by burning, at St Andrews. But Wishart's death didn't put an end to Protestantism. It fanned the flames of anti-Catholic sentiment that were already burning in the hearts of those who wanted reform. The man who had ordered Wishart's execution, Cardinal Beaton, 
was himself murdered by a group of Protestants, and a small number of Christians began worshipping in St Andrews. They invited Knox to become their pastor, and after much soul-searching he agreed, and it was there, in St Andrews, that Knox opened his mouth to the glory of God. Knox's sermons in St Andrews were plain, straightforward declarations of Protestant truth. He didn't hold back. And this brought him, even at that very early point in his ministry, to the attention of the authorities. Even then, Knox was a marked man. But his service at St Andrews was short-lived. A French navy attack on the castle there resulted in the town being captured and the leaders of the Protestants being arrested and imprisoned and made to work as galley slaves on board a French naval vessel. Knox was a slave, chained to the oars, until in 1549 a kind of a prisoner exchange deal was done between France and King Edward of England, and Knox was one of those released. After his release, he travelled over to England and pastored and preached at Berwick in Newcastle and at London. Edward VI of England offered him a bishopric, but Knox refused in principle. After Edward's death, the accession of Mary Tudor to the throne in 1553 made professing Protestantism extremely dangerous. During her reign, some 288 men, women and children, even pregnant women, were executed for the crime of being a Protestant. Among them were such distinguished churchmen as John Rogers, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley, Thomas Cranmer, John Hooper, and many more. To escape the carnage, Knox made his way to Europe, staying at Dieppe and eventually travelling to Geneva, where he became a very close friend of John Calvin. For a while he preached and pastored English-speaking congregations at both Frankfurt and at Geneva. In 1554, at the request of some of the nobility, Knox returned to Scotland. After some vacillation on the part of these gentry, it has to be said, Queen Mary of Guise, wanting to marry off her daughter Mary of Scots to the Dauphin of France, was bribing any of the nobles who would support the marriage and, as usual, money talks. But eventually Knox did return, and once back in his native land, began to preach and to campaign against the Mass, and did so with such success that people in droves began to turn away from Catholic worship. He spent another time in Geneva, between 1556 and 1559, after which he returned to Scotland. Following a sermon preached by Knox at Perth in 1559, the people rose up in righteous anger and destroyed the Romish idols that had been erected in the churches. They pulled down the statues and broke up the organs and the high altars. Their conduction... Their action was condemned by Knox, but in mitigation they had been provoked by the sight of a Catholic priest who had entered the building to begin Mass just as the Protestant service was finishing. 
Despite Knox's intervention, the unruly behaviour of the Perth Protestants spread right across Scotland, and other Catholic properties were damaged. Monasteries were closed, including those of the Grey Friars and the Black Friars in Edinburgh. In 1560, the Scottish Parliament, under the guidance of Knox, declared the Reformed faith to be the national religion of Scotland. Roman Catholicism was condemned, and the Scots Confession was approved. On the 20th of December, 1560, the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland met for the very first time, a Presbyterian Church. Join me next time, and we look at the theology of John Knox and see what the Reformer actually believed. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.